You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there and thank you for downloading this Starting Up podcast from the 4th of October. On the programme today, we focused on how space is a new frontier for entrepreneurs. As the international community celebrates World Space Week, we chatted to startups boldly going where only a few have gone before, into our solar system and beyond. We heard from the Minister of Justice for Ascadia, a space nation based on a satellite. Plus, we spoke to a space startup based right here in the United Arab Emirates, Azure X. And our startup success story was Stacey Smith. She's a celebrity vocal performance consultant to nearly every major record label in the US, but she bases herself right here in the Emirates. All that and more on your weekly episode of Starting Up. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Yes, welcome back to the programme. And it is time to host our special segment for business owners and entrepreneurs. And this week, we are celebrating World Space Week. We love a theme. Uh, We're chatting to startups boldly going where only a few have gone before into our solar system and beyond. Now, you might think we're exaggerating, uh, but I'm telling you, we really aren't. Uh, Some of the startups that we're talking to on the programme today are incredibly creative and and certainly thinking outside the box, well outside the box. Joining me now to talk about this most exciting of subjects is, of course, the Virtue Zone founder, Neil Petch. Good morning, Neil. How You're are you? definitely a Star Trekker, aren't you, George? I so, can see it. So, do you know what's really interesting? Is I've never seen Star Trek or oh, Star come Wars. On. Never. The cliches you've just reeled out I, I there. Know. You must be. You have to script it. <laughs> you have to script with the joy, with the joy of space. But I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated by space, though. Yeah. Despite Listen, we've never. got some great companies to talk to today and here's a pun they're making their mark in space you're going to see why in a second look our first guest titles himself as the justice minister he's a minister he's already got an obe he's been to oxford university i'm enormously jealous of him and now he's a minister in ascardia which i thought was a mythical norse kingdom but apparently according to their website it's a space nation aiming to unite people in a transnational equal and progressive society to build a new home for humanity and space and to protect our planet Earth. Oh, my wow, goodness. ticks all the boxes. Absolutely extraordinary. I mean, what what an idea. Talk about... <laughs> follow that. Drop mic. I literally wouldn't know how to follow it. So what we did is a little bit earlier on, uh, we managed to get Mark Beer uh, to talk to both Neil and I uh, on the line. Uh, he couldn't join us live, sadly, uh, but he we, he did join us live on Zoom. Uh, and he basically explained the principle behind the concept of Ascardia, because let's be honest, it's pretty out there. Asgardia is a nation designed on a satellite in space. It's an entirely digital democracy. And as peculiar as it may sound to build a nation on a satellite in space, the concept of a nation is a relatively new one to the world. For those of you that studied history, you'll know that we didn't really have nations before the Westphalia Treaty in the 17th century. 300 years we've had Homo sapiens on Earth, 0.1% of that time has actually had a nation. So the concept of a nation is something relatively new. And and the idea behind Asgardia is to say, well, what if we were to build a nation 
on a satellite in space. And as odd as it may sound, you know, in 1480, da Vinci came up with the concept of a helicopter. Uh, in 1938, General Motors said that we should be having driverless cars. And Nikola Tesla, as many of you know, was the invention of wireless technology that we rely on today. He also came up with the concept of an iPhone and what he called the shadow graphs, which became X-ray. So there's many examples of people who've come up with some pretty eccentric ideas which have led to the way in which a nation has been developed and technology's been developed. And, and we know in the UAE, we've got the fabulous programme Hope, which has been out to Mars to map the atmosphere in Mars. Ultimately, I think part of many people's hopes to start building nations on other planets. So listen, Mark, we've got entrepreneurs listening to this. You've just blasted them and, and uh, they're thinking, my goodness me, it's amazing. But how does it relate to me? Now, meanwhile, day-to-day problems, especially at the moment with what's happening in the world, sending money. How do these things, how does this mythical Ascardia help the average businessman and businesswoman be more efficient? Well, the mythical Asgardia was the Norse Asgardia. This is the real Asgardia, and it exists on a satellite in space where you can register a company today. Now, we know that space represents about $360 billion of business today. Morgan Stanley has said it's going to be worth a trillion dollars by 2040, which is just a blink away. Space is no longer the final frontier. It's the next frontier for commerce. And so that ability to start thinking about establishing and operating out of an environment that has no regulatory pressures, no constraints. It is a libertarian dream, a clean sheet where business can operate untrammeled by the pressures of domestic monopolistic regulatory behavior is exactly what the world needs when it's operating in a digital economy, in a digital space. Digital respects no boundaries. It is operating on nodes and computers in thousands and thousands of of computers around the world over many jurisdictions. And this concept of a nation with a boundary for anyone who's a pilot or has flown and looked down on the earth, we know those boundaries are fictional. They were actually created uh, pre-1919. But in 1919, after the Wright brothers had flown in 1903, the world said, well, how are we going to work this out? Because previously we we could have a river as a boundary. We could have a port as a boundary. But these Wright brothers are now flying. So how do we define boundaries for flight? And in 1919, the world said, well, we'll define boundaries that go to infinity. So wherever your land boundary is, it goes to infinity. And then Sputnik started flying around the world. And the world said, well, hang on a second. How do we define that? Because it's flying over our territories and we haven't given permission. So in 1967, the world came together and said, well, you know, if if governments send things up into space, it's okay to cross our, our boundaries. We'll all agree with that. And that was the last law ever passed regulating space. You were the head registrar. You were Mr. Dubai Courts at DIFC. Normally, lawyers pour scorn on imaginative ideas that can expand commerce. How can the UAE take advantage of this opportunity and be centrally positioned to be involved in this and to drive it? Well, back in 2018, I I built the Courts of the Future Forum in Dubai uh, alongside the World Economic Forum and the Dubai Future Foundation because we were looking at these issues. We're very cognizant 
of lawyers that it's easy to look back. You know, there is this sense history doesn't repeat, but it does echo. But actually what we need to be doing as nation states and those that are part of the elements of a nation is looking forward. So if commerce is going to be truly digital without boundaries, without borders, without tariffs, then it, are our domestic systems capable of dealing with it? And the answer to that is no. There is no court or arbitration centre in the world that can issue a decision over a decentralised platform which operates in multiple jurisdictions. It cannot get the majority of the nodes to comply with its rulings. So as we're going to globalise commerce, as we're going to globalise business, as we're going to digitise licensing, and we're going to digitise business banking, we've got to do it in a way with a seamless environment. And that environment is not going to be a classical border boundary tariff driven one. It is going to be one either driven out of a satellite in space, driven out of something built at the bottom of the ocean, which also has no laws and no regulations that apply to it. It's got to be something new. And therefore, people coming up with ideas that say, let's imagine a world in which business is seamless, in which democracy is digital, I think are ideas that are likely to be in the future as relevant as uh, Nikola Tesla's uh, inventions were back in the uh, turn of the 20th century. So can you tell me exactly what type of regulations you're introducing on Ascardia? You know, what legal system are you using as a template? Well, we're building the laws uh, from scratch, which to some extent is what we did in DIFC. And it's what's done in ADGM and it's what's done in QIFC. And all these other financial centres have taken the best rules and regulations from around the world and melded them together, synthesised them together to deliver the best for the clients that they're looking to attract and service. And we're doing much the same, but we're actually looking forward. So I was sitting at the World Economic Forum talking to a guy that ran a satellite business years ago. And he said one of the challenges they face is as a satellite business, they take pictures and they take pictures of the earth for money. They're paid to take pictures, whether it's of crops growing or river flows or whatever it might be. But wherever he put his headquarters, he'd get a knock on the door from the you know, local authorities saying, we just want to check you're not <laughs> taking pictures of us. Could you share with us all the pictures you've taken? And he'd say, well, no, because I'm being paid by somebody else to take them. So I can't really share them with you. And his concept, and which really got me thinking, was if only he could process those images through a business in space and sell them from space down to the relevant company or whoever it might be that's buying them, nobody can come knocking on his door and ask to get them for free. And it got me thinking about, yes, we do define ourselves by way of a nation, and we've never really looked outside. But sometimes we need to look beyond and say, if we are going to digitize the world, and if we are going to look to digital economies and digital democracies, how are we going to do it with the legacy we've got of barriers, boundaries and tariffs? And as the world is deglobalizing at the moment, as we see more of a nationalistic focus, the world will find an alternative route and that will be digital. And that's very much where the UAE is looking but uh, even within that environment, if you base yourself in a particular country, you are subject to everything that goes on in that country. So Asgardia, to my mind, presents an opportunity to wipe the slate clean and to see uh, whether we could do it a bit better starting from scratch, given the new uh, fourth industrial revolution that we're moving towards. Mark Beer there, Minister of Justice for Ascardia, Neil. Did that make any sense to you, head or tail? Well, you know, I have had the advantage of hearing it before, and you were mentioning Calfan Belhul, who's talking about the metaverse, and there's a strong connection, Georgia, between the two. And by the way, Calfan, what a guy. I play paddle with him. He could thrash me in the metaverse or on the actual... (laughs) 
paddle tennis court and, and Dubai is doing so many things that, you know, you might, yes, you think it's out there at the moment. But as Mark was saying in that interview, we thought a whole load of things. We thought the world was flat, remember? Well, you don't remember, but you know what I mean. There were, yeah, exactly. It's a, I mean, as Mark outlines, you know, the entire, our perspective has changed multiple times about the way we yeah. perceive the earth and, and what is attainable, what so, is achievable. So I, I love the relevance to this because there was, there's, there's something like an international space treaty in 1962 and, and, the, and the, the, the superpowers of the world agreed that they would not try and close parts of space. So this has allowed someone to put something up there and it, you know, it's a billionaire that owns this, this nation because they've tried before. They've tried to do it on islands in the middle of the Pacific and stuff but someone's always claiming that they've got some sort of control over it. Normally it's the English, Georgia. So, you know, so, so th- this, this has sense in international law. And I know that, you know, lawyers listening to this would enjoy the sort of intellectual jousting of it. Businessmen, because that's the people listening to this show, it's an opportunity perhaps to have branches of your, you have one company, which is in Ascardia, and you have branches in Dubai, in Riyadh, in Qatar, and perhaps in, in London as well. And you can send money between all three of them incredibly easy. That's part of the theory. So I like that idea. How long before uh, Virtue Zone offers Ascardia as one of its free zones? That's what I want to know. I, I could tell you, Georgia, but then I'm not allowed to say what I'd do to you afterwards. Oh my I. goodness, me! Watch this space. <laughs> that ah, sound, oh, see what I did? Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's literally, today is pun day. We're running with that. It's not Tuesday, it's pun day, and we're going to be running with it for the rest of the day. There's too many space opportunities. Uh, worth mentioning that Morgan Stanley estimates that the global space industry could generate revenue of more than $1 trillion or more in 2040. That is up from 350 billion dollars currently. You have to put your little finger to your mouth when you say that, Georgia. One trillion dollars. One trillion dollars. So obviously, if you're a startup, that is a sector you definitely want to get your teeth into. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Zone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there. Yes, welcome back to the program. Uh, welcome back to Starting Up, which is our special segment for prospective business owners looking for a leg up the ladder. We are celebrating Global World Space Week as the bank Morgan Stanley estimates that the global space industry could generate revenue of more than $1 trillion or more by 2040. That's up from the current $350 billion. Co-hosting me with me in the studio right now is, of course, the chairman of Zone, Neil Petch. And we've got a fantastic guest joining us in the studio because one company involved in shaping the future of space is Azure X, which operates uh, across the space sector, offering strategic advice on everything from commercial space stations, suborbital and orbital space flight, space tourism and the sustainable uses of space. And telling us more all about uh, that amazing list of priorities is the principal of Azure X, who joins us now in the studio. Welcome, Anna Hazlett. How are are you? Thank you, Georgia. Very well, thank you. Thank you, Neil. So, Anna, you have timed your visit brilliantly. NASA has hit an asteroid 11 million miles away. They have. It's taking two years to do it, mm-hmm. and they timed it for your visit. So, <laughs> firstly, tell us, what thank is you. the aim of World Space Week? Thank you. Um, so, World Space Week has been around since 1999. Um, it was founded at the UN General Assembly, and it's really a global initiative to celebrate space science and to really get, um, you know, children, youth, even adults all over the world 
uh, looking at the space industry. Um, so, so far we see around 95 nations participating in World Space Week and that number is only going to grow as well as the events and the activities that we see around World Space Week. So space has always, I suppose, been associated, certainly by me, because I remember Neil Armstrong jumping, jumping down one small step for man and all that sort of thing. Yeah. It was always associated with government. You're a private company. Mm-hmm. And now if one wants to go into space, yeah. well, I think, I think you need a private company to help you. So how, how did Azure X get started? Absolutely. So I think um, for context, if I can, um, you know, I'd like to sort of talk about you know, the space industry. So a lot of people say, you know, what's that? It's just for governments. Um, but what <clears throat> what we should really understand is that the, the space industry plays such a critical role in our daily lives. Um, to give you an example, a civil-based uh, Earth observation can help us monitor uh, dangerous changes in, in the climate. We can monitor oceans. We can monitor uh, forests. We can monitor agriculture, um, et cetera, et cetera. Space-based technologies connect human beings all over the world. We would not be where we are today. We wouldn't be in the studio without space-based technologies and satellite um, information, you know, queuing down every second. Um, Another example of where space-based technologies really helps human lives is in connectivity. So broadband, internet access and rural destinations. We're seeing some fascinating um, private companies such as Starlink and Cooper um, developing satellite constellations to connect human beings all over the planet. Um, and another really good example is to look at the International Space Station. Um, and soon we'll see a plethora of commercially developed space stations. Um, and with those space stations, we see a research environment w- which we cannot get on Earth. And that research environment is microgravity. And microgravity has really enabled um, scientific research and material science beyond anything we've seen to date. Um, And there's some really great examples around um, micro um, lenses and cameras. Um, There's really good examples of, you know, memory foam, uh, baby formula, all all, um, invented in space. So the reason why, um, you know, looking at the industry and and spending a number of years in the industry, it was sort of a what's the role that we could play. Um, I didn't study aerospace engineering. I'm not a scientist. Um, But I did feel that there was a gap in terms of uh, being the commercial arm and helping uh, supporting these space companies really reach out um, and form partnerships, raise funding, um, really build out the ecosystem with governments as well as the private space sector. So we play that role of the conduit or the bridge between the two. And we're, um, if you will, sort of strategic advisors in, in that role. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there. Welcome back to the programme. Welcome back to Starting Up. Uh, Co-hosting alongside me is the chairman of VirtuZone, Neil Petch. And we are celebrating Global World Space Week with that figure, which I keep on bandying around. But it is quite an exciting one. Morgan Stanley estimates that the global space industry could generate revenue of more than $1 trillion or more by 2040. That's up from the current $350 million. Now, one startup right here in the UAE 
employee who is looking to cash in a little bit, maybe on that big number, uh, is of course Anna. Uh, is of course Azure X joining us in the studio now? Uh, is Anna Hazlett, who is the principal of that company? Thank you so much for staying with us, Anna. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Anna. Let's come back from space to reality for a second. <laughs> so you know you've got you've got millions of entrepreneurs, perhaps not millions. You've got a huge number of entrepreneurs yeah. listening to this, and they're thinking a why the UAE. So mm-hmm. perhaps you can tell us that. Mm-hmm. And secondly, some real-life examples of where your company, which I believe aggregates some of these opportunities, can yeah. give people either an opportunity to do something that relates to space or mm-hmm. perhaps invest in it. Okay, thank you for the question. Um, well, we decided purposefully to set up here in, in Dubai um, three years ago. So the company's based in DIFC um, and... What we've seen is the development or the, well, the development and the focus from the government to the sector. And it's very clear when you look at the space strategy of the UAE and you see that there's space economic zones where entrepreneurs and startups can set up. So similar to um, Dubai Internet City or Media City or Knowledge Village, um, we're going to see more and more of these space economic zones. Did you see the Thunderbirds video of the, of the <laughs> Museum of the Future? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what support for a great space company? Thunderbirds exactly. are landing. Exactly. And actually talking about the museum, there's an interesting uh, theme on space at the museum, um, which we are um, supporting. Uh, so um, to give you an example, so one of the, the companies that we work with very closely is Blue Origin. Mm-hmm. Um, Blue Origin are a privately um, owned space company based in the US, um, uh, founded by and led by Jeff Bezos, who's also the founder of Amazon. Um, And one of the things that we are helping Blue Origin do is advance its space program known as Orbital Reef, one of their space programs known as Orbital Reef. So Orbital Reef um, is a privately developed, commercially developed space station um, and like I was saying earlier about the, the benefits of having a space station when it comes to microgravity research and all the things that we can do on a space station, um, we start to see a growing number of international private players in this domain. So Azurex is very much supporting the development of the space station. And by that, I mean um, connecting to certain stakeholders from the region. So the, the space leadership, you can say, the, space, the national space agencies um, and supporting basically the sort of the uptake of entrepreneurs and businesses that can look at the space station. Or so how can an individual get involved in that? Because that just so, sounds amazing. So um, Blue Origin have recently announced um, Reef Starter. So we'll be doing, we have plans to do more activations across the UAE when it comes to Reef Starter. But Reef Starter is essentially an incubator for anyone looking to do anything in space through Orbital Reef. So you could, you could be looking at a, a laboratory in space, you could be looking at an art gallery in space, real estate in space, all these things um, are exactly what Orbital Reef can provide as a platform. And what's interesting today is that you know, people can go from concept to product in space in a matter of weeks and months versus years that it took us previously. Um, so Orbital Reef is a very interesting program that we're involved with. Um, we're also very much involved with the suborbital tourism uh, human space flight opportunity through New Shepard. Yep. And with that, we are, again, we'll be running activations across the UAE to encourage UAE residents and citizens to fly to space. 
Oh, my wow, <laughs> just sounds completely awesome. And and we could literally talk for, for hours yeah. about this. It's an absolutely fascinating sector. In fact, Neil and I were just discussing the fact that, that maybe it's time for us to do like a space day, frankly, <laughs> uh, never mind space week. Uh, so really fascinating to have you joining us in the studio and to sort of outline those opportunities there for startups right here in the May UAE. May the force be with you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> been plotting that Thank for the whole day. Uh, Anna Hazlitt, a pleasure to have you in Thank the you studio, so the principal of Azure X. Thank I hope you. to get you on the radio very, Brilliant. very soon. Thank, Thank you. you. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there. As promised, I am joined in the studio by uh, Neil Petch, the Virtue Zone chairman and founder. Uh, but we are also joined by a rather special person. Uh, Stacey Smith is a celebrity vocal performance consultant to nearly every major record label in the United States. And she boasts an international client roster of artists across all genres. She is indeed uh, an inspirational success story. We like to do one a week here on Starting Up. Uh, and it's a pleasure to have you join us in the studio, Stacey. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for inviting me. This it, is wonderful. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm obviously feeling incredibly self-conscious at the moment about my voice. Although you just do singers, don't you? Not I, I, I was under the impression that you were going to sing for me today, no? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> or was it Neil? Were you we going want, to we sing? Clean it was Neil. on the starboard bow <laughs> was, by Georgia. No, no. Come Neil on. was going to sing. Or were you? Enough. Did you write the song? I think he had written something. No, they want it. to send me to space so that no one can hear me singing. <laughs> Do you know, oddly enough, the one person who would be able to sing for you is Tom Urko, who I have oh. reason to believe went to a choir school. But sadly, he's all the way over in the Madanach Jamira, so he's not going to be able to sing for you We're going to have to get him one day. You must, you must. Now tell me, uh, you're obviously a, as, a, as a vocal performance consultant, you could have based yourself anywhere uh, in the world. Why the United Arab Emirates? Well, you know, to be honest, it wasn't, it, it wasn't really on my radar until I had, I had gotten married. My husband lived here uh, and I moved here and just saw so much opportunity, uh, so much talent. Uh, and there really just wasn't a place, a, a I enjoy developing talent. That's my passion, especially young talent. And I found that there it, there was a need here, and and that's why. And I love I love living in Dubai. It's an exciting place to live. It's uh, it's yeah. So it's. I mean, it's such an unusual industry. I don't think I've mm-hmm. ever met anyone with your job in the past. How did you get started? Oh, it's a long story. But I actually started as a ghost vocalist for a signed girl group. It was signed to Universal Motown. Uh, I won't tell you who it was, <laughs> but yeah, they had like a half a million dollar deal with Universal Motown at the time. And the producers would sneak me into the studio in New York at like two, three o'clock in the morning to layer my vocals into the tracks. Wow. Yeah. This was back in, yeah, back in the day. And, uh, and yeah, and, and it, what was really interesting about it is, uh, one night, or one day, actually, I was back upstate. My father, I come from a family of lumberjacks, so my father, I was helping him carry, hauling wood, you know, and I get this... song. <laughs> and there we go, start writing it. And I get this call from an A&R over at Universal Motown. Apparently, an intern at the studio had heard me in one of the sessions, and months later, they were looking for a background vocalist and a demo singer for like uh, Aaron Carter and some stuff for Britney uh, Spears. And they, uh, I got a call from this A&R. Well, if the producers had no, you know, they would have lost their job. So this A&R person had no idea who I was, who is this girl on this track? 
And so I, that's wow. how it started for me. Anyway, now, Stacey, we had a, we had a minister from space on on today. We did. I mean, with Britney Spears, you've just you've just already trumped that easily. But can I ask, on behalf of all the business owners that are listening, because at Virtue Zone, we, I constantly get business owners going, "My son or my daughter wants to, you know, get a track." Or like, you you know, Chris Fade, can you help me get on there? Or okay. so how how does one go about something? You you deal with a lot of young people what what are the first steps well the first thing i would i tell anyone is that it's not so cut and dry like you see in the movies or you just assume okay i'm going to send get to my, get my kids some voice lessons and all of a sudden they're going to become big stars right. i mean a lot of the artists here i've i've started working with you know it's a 5 10 even 15 year evolution and i might start them when they're really young and it's just a matter of okay you got to learn how to play the keys. You you learn how to develop your voice and then develop your brand. Really, who? What do you have to say as an artist? And that needs to come off, and it needs to be authentic to you. And especially with young people, especially young girls, uh, you're kind of pulled into this. Uh, if if you have any type of success at a young age, you have a bunch of adults kind of telling you what to do and what to say and what your song should in providing this material for you, and you can get lost in it. And um, and for me, I take great pride in 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 nurturing and and, and working uh, with kids and getting them to really understand as they evolve, as they get older, to have a voice and not be afraid when they're in a room of adults. Yeah. This is what I have to say. This is what my album is going to say. It's it's this is this is who I am as an artist. I suppose being being an artist, it's the ultimate expression of, of having to get your brand right. So you were talking about the marketing and I suppose how one uses social media and, and all of this sort of thing. So is that part of the, the mentoring that you provide? Well, you know, social media is important. But for me, I focus on, I guess, the behind the curtain, the actual, the actual, uh, the psychology of you know, obviously, especially nowadays, everything is about TikTok and everything is about getting, you know, becoming famous on social media. And really, it, it's it's so it can be so shallow, right? Mm-hmm. You have to really know who you are as a person and not be afraid to take those chances and speak out against something that might not be so popular at the time or everyone's doing just for, you know, for fun or for, for show or to get likes. Uh, and and it's diving in it's diving more into that like the development yeah, so it's of the easy artist to be cut and paste and think i just need lots of likes but i guess it's it's a you know there's a million voice coaches out there how does what you provide stand out and perhaps give someone an edge very much i uh, for me i'm it's not just about voice coaching and developing the voice it's about developing the artist as a whole it's about de- de- developing them as a writer it's about developing them as just just a young person going off in the world and just knowing how to to present themselves and brand themselves. Uh, it's not you're going to come in and work off a book for a half an hour. I'm going to we're going to sing a couple songs and then move on, you know. So it's uh, absolutely fantastic to have you in the studio and to offer that advice. I have a feeling that quite a lot of people will be texting in in a few minutes time <laughs> saying, hi, I'd like to get my daughter or my son involved in the music industry. Just as uh, as Neil said, that happens an awful lot. But it's been an absolute pleasure to speaking to you. Uh, it's a sector I know absolutely nothing about. So it was wonderful to have you on the radio. Uh, huge thanks uh, there uh, to, have, to having you in the studio. Stacey Smith, uh, amazing vocal 
performance consultant of all jobs. Brilliant that you set up here in the UAE. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. Lovely to have you in. Neil, it's been a pleasure. I, I, we didn't manage to get as many space puns Listen, in as I'd like. if we start sounding nicer next week, then we know who to thank. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you, Stacey. Lay a, <laughs> you can layer my voice anytime.